This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Sophia Shalal, and you're listening to Sorry Partner. Hello and welcome to Sorry Partner, a podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with Norwegian champion Sophie Shadal about the pros and cons of playing with her family, her thoughts about the girls' competition and why it should be fostered, and the perks of partnerships. Plus, she shares her top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Jocelyn, I'm terrific. How are you? Well, I'm fine. I did have a recent experience at a tournament that I wanted to share with you. Ooh, well, go ahead, please. Tell me what happened. Well, let me preface by saying this was a first for me in that I called the director based on what I perceived as poor behavior, unacceptable behavior by the opponents. Nothing about the bidding or the play or explanations, just purely behavior. Wow. Okay. I've never done this before. Yeah. Well, I am fascinated. Yes, it was. Um, it was a first and I must have really been very irritated because in the retelling, it might not be sound so egregious, but um, we'll call it the fight. Okay. So <laughs> It started, I think, in a rather benign way in my, what I thought. I opened one spade. The opponent to my left overcalled one no trump. My partner raised me to two spades. And then it went all packed. So I'm playing it in two spades. And of course, I'm playing the guy on my left, the one who overcalled one no trump, for the missing honor in spades. Yeah, because you're not a schmuck. 
because I'm not a schmuck. And it turns out he overcalled one no Trump with a 10x in spades. Oh, my. And his partner had the, the king of spades. So, of course, I played it wrong. And I must have let out some kind of like, oh, my God, I would have never, you know, expected that. Wow, you really got me good kind of thing. Yeah. That apparently did not go over very well with the overcaller's partner who proceeded to just act like I was intolerable in my slowness, in my deliberating, and most particularly as I was trying to figure out how many tricks I had taken at the end of a hand, I was being extremely slow. And she said, Jesus Christ, like the really like the just the most irritated and irritating way. And so I called the director and that wasn't even the last hand that we played with them. We still had another hand to go. And it turned out, I mean, she was really annoyed with me for having expressed shock and awe at the guy who had overcalled one no Trump with just a 10x in my suit. So that was my experience. Just, you know, her saying, Jesus Christ, I called the director over. The director admonished her, but I think the director was, you know, a bit irritated with the whole situation. But a funny thing did happen the very next day. I'm playing against the same gentleman who overcalled my one spade opening with a one no Trump. And this time he did something similar where he overcalled something one no Trump. I gave it no mind. I know this guy. He'll overcall one no Trump on nothing. And I'm not going to let that stop me. And I'm going to make my plan accordingly. And it worked. <laughs> and I do have a friend who is very, very careful about making notes to herself about how opponents play and remembering them. I don't know how she does it, but so she knows this is something that that person does. This is right. something that person does. And she factors that in to how she plays, which is very high level to me, but apparently is something that, that good players do all the time. Well, it helps if you keep coming across the same people. And they keep doing the same thing. Yeah, as you just, as you did, you you made a note of it and corrected. Yes, that for that for that happening, which is also an important thing I read in the bridge column just recently, which was the advice like should you play high or should you play low in this instance, and the the columnist said mix it up, and I'm like aha. So when you do something that's not going to be necessarily confusing to partner, yeah, mix it up. Yeah, it seemed like good advice. So. Anyway, there you have it. I, I just want to go back to the whole director call situation. <laughs> First of all, let me ask, were they an established partnership or had they just met at the partnership desk or something? I remember looking them up and I think they were both from the same town. So my inclination is that they knew each other and they were an established partnership. Yes. Yes. Well, that would have been my hunch as well. And so I just think the partner was being really outrageous because it's not quite a trick. I mean, it's it's a clever bid and why not? But it's going to put you on the back foot. And so, of course, you're going to take an extra minute to think about everything and plan your play very carefully. And also, Justin, I know you, I mean, there are slow players and there are slow players and you may have slowed down a little bit, but on the scale of slow players, <laughs> you're not even on the list, you know? So, think that they both were bullies to be perfectly honest no with you. i the overcaller was not a bully it was his partner yeah but 
if you sit there and passively let someone else do the bullying, mm. it's effectively as good as being a bully yourself, I think. Interesting. And it is slight bullying behavior that that bidding style, even though I perfectly understand it and respect it. And if I had the cojones to do it myself, maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I will from now on let that be noticed to everyone out there. Nevertheless, I think you were within your rights. And I think that it was a little bit of attitude you were getting. I think it's very convenient mm-hmm. for them to be all jacing on you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you're going to take your time on the next hands because you're like, what are these people up to? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I felt very uncomfortable at the time. Oh, and the other thing was that all the people that I knew in the room, because this was a big tournament, and there mm. were people, people were coming up to me. What happened? What was going on? What was yeah? What was that all about? I mean, it wouldn't stop. It was so, that part was embarrassing. It must have been quite loud. <laughs> anyway, there you have it. And now for a couple of shout outs. In case you didn't know, this is one of the perks of being a supporter. In New Life Master News, Pam wants to congratulate her friend Aviva, a newly minted Life Master. Aviva listens to every episode of the show, and they often discuss it together, especially the top tips. So well done, Aviva, on your new bridge rank. That is so cool. And in the Department of Bidding Prowess... We have heard from Nick, who is very pleased with himself for bidding a skinny four-spade contract that gave him a top board and, better yet, some bragging rights. (laughs) (laughs) He says he learns a lot from the show and has enjoyed reading many of the books written and recommended by our guests. His current favourite is Zia's Bridge My Way. So, way to go, Nick. (laughs) And if you'd like us to sing someone's praises on the show or acknowledge a major bridge milestone, become part of the Sorry Partner Posse. Just click the Support the Show tab at our website, sorrypartner.com, and choose your perks. And send in some pictures with your announcements as well so that we can post them on Instagram. Congratulations again to Aviva and Nick. And thank you again to Pam and Nick for your support. Now back to the show. Well, our first letter today, Jocelyn, is almost the exact opposite of the situation that you were talking about. It is from Anonymous, and they write that they were at a recent tournament. Declarer was playing his contract. There was a pause as Declarer planned his play. Dummy had his elbows on the table, resting his chin in his hands. When ready, Declarer called for a card from Dummy, but Dummy was asleep. He woke up (laughs) with a start. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yes, (laughs) if only that's great i might have to start saying that a lot when we're playing together (laughs) it'll diffuse any tension (laughs) yeah our next letter is from paul in canada when i retired a couple of years back i returned to bridge after a long hiatus my how things have changed especially in the bidding Following your advice, I looked for and was fortunate to find a partner who would mentor me so I could play up, way up in fact. Because of my partner's master points, we have to play in the open section against players who have international experience. With disciplined aggressiveness, we tied for first and came third in our last two outings. We've only come last once. 
we have two mottos, bridges for fun and sometimes you win, sometimes you learn, but you never lose. (laughs) Playing up is like being dropped in a foreign country where you know some words but not enough to follow all the conversations. You know messages are passing back and forth over your head but you just don't get what they all are. So last time we played, left-hand opponent opened one no trump and I misheard what right-hand opponent said. And so I said, that's an interesting convention. Does it have a name? Right-hand opponent, surprised, said, it's just a standard 15 to 17 high card points. Sorry, I said, I thought you said two queens and 17. (laughs) Right-hand opponent said, that would have been an interesting convention. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we all laugh. Indeed, it would. I like that though. Two queens and 17. 17. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And our next letter today, Jocelyn, is from Alan in Texas. And we met Alan in Phoenix. Hi, Alan. Hi, Alan. Alan writes Back in 2019, I was playing gold rush pairs with my brother Phil at a regional in Burnaby, British Columbia, in Canada that was part of the Canadian National Championships. We were east-west, and mid-match we arrived at a table where my right-hand opponent was wearing headphones. On the first board, I became declarer in a three-no-trump contract when, without ceremony, my right-hand opponent plopped down a card. We immediately called the director to sort out this lead-out-of-turn infraction. After the usual seemingly interminable explanation of alternatives, I opted to not accept the incorrect lead. My right-hand opponent returned the card to her hand and immediately let a different card out of turn again. Her partner exploded and it took every ounce of self-control for my brother and I not to fall out of our chairs in helpless laughter. Back came the director. This time her incorrect lead was helpful, so I gratefully accepted it and successfully corralled my nine tricks. (laughs) Nice work, Alan. (laughs) I'd love to know what they were thinking. The headphones. I wonder what's that all about. <laughs> well, clearly they weren't thinking enough about the mechanics. No. Who was on lead? Yeah, maybe they were listening to an audiobook <laughs> or a podcast. There you are. I'm sure that was it. Now, final letter today, Jocelyn, is from Mark, who we also met in Phoenix. Hi, Mark. Hey, Mark. Mark writes, at a recent national tournament, my wife Martha and I played in a number of events, but the highlight of the week was playing in a stratified Swiss team game. Martha and I teamed up with my 88-year-old mother and her 90-year-old partner. This was my mum's first time at a national tournament and she had previously never won a gold point. Despite her having only 86 master points, we had to play in the second to highest bracket because of the rest of us. Our team finished second, one victory point out of first, and she won almost 10 gold points. Needless to say, she was thrilled and called all her bridge friends to share the good news. (laughs) Oh, that's lovely. That's wonderful. Congratulations. We hope she's enjoyed winning more gold points since then. Yes. So if you have any fun stories about either things that can go wrong at the table, like falling asleep on your partner, or maybe not hearing an alert correctly, or leaning out of turn, or a fun story about something going very right at the table and getting your mom 10 gold points, then please do send those to us. 
at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram, or you can send us a voice message. And these links are in the show notes and on the website at sorrypartner.com, along with some other good stuff. Coming up next, our interview with Sophia Shadal. Norwegian champion Sophia Sjerdal began playing bridge when she was eight years old and played in her first international championship when she was 11. She has since played on the Norwegian under-26 women's team and more recently on the Norwegian under-26 open team. She won bronze in the 2016 under-26 world women's championship gold in the mixed pairs at the 2018 Under-26 European Junior Championship, and gold in the women's pairs in the Under-26 European Junior Championship. In 2019, she took home gold in teams and silver in pairs at the Open World Junior Championships, and silver in the Norwegian Championship for women's teams. She is also a university student, bridge teacher, and writer. She has just written her first bridge book, and she works part-time at the Norwegian Bridge Federation. We began by asking about her current bridge partners. Well, I'm kind of a bit in between partners right now. I had a long-term partnership, which ended in summer. Right now, I have a junior partner. Well, she's not actually a junior, but because of the COVID rules, she's going to be junior for one extra year. And also, I have a mixed partner that I play with. He's also my captain for the girls team. We played for a really long time, but we usually just play mixed tournaments. And regularly, I play with my mum. So in local clubs, we've played for a couple of years now. What's that like to play with your mom? Well, it's a bit of both. It's really nice. Uh, both of my parents play, so we have a nice hobby together. But it can be a bit heated sometimes, playing with family. I think it's worse for my mum than it is for me. I get a bit enthusiastic and um, might uh, start yelling at her. I try not to, but uh, it's not always that easy. It's much easier when I don't play with family. Do you have siblings? I do. I have a brother, but he doesn't play. Ah, he doesn't play. (laughs) Unfortunately, he's like extremely against it. Uh, living in a household with uh, three bridge players hasn't been that easy when you don't play. Is it easier or harder to accept criticism from your mom <laughs> when it comes to bridge? <laughs> uh, it's much harder, I think. I, I used to play with my father. Uh, we played for like eight years or something, but it, it just didn't work out anymore because I couldn't take criticism from him at all. Uh, so we were playing at the club and practically started screaming at each other. <laughs> So we had to end it, and I started playing with my mum instead. That works a bit better than playing with my father. It was a problem when we were almost the same level. I started feeling like I was better than him. I didn't want to take his criticism, but that's better now. Do you think it was a little bit of an ego clash there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do your parents play together? They do. They don't play regular in club, but they play uh, tournaments outside of the club somewhere national tunes. So focusing on your partnerships and your partnership goals, how would you summarize what's important to you about a partnership and what you're looking for? Well, I think 
the most important thing is that you have the same ambitions. So if one wants to play serious bridge, the other one needs to do the same. And the fact that you have similarities in bidding, so what kind of bidding style you have and how much of a system you want, because if one is really interested in learning lots and conventions and the other one doesn't care, it's not going to work out. So I think that's the most important thing. So you, you're keen to find a partnership that you can develop and play at a high level of competition. Yeah, I really want to get better and I want to be at least one of the best women bridge players in Norway, maybe even one of the best players. But that's difficult when you don't have a partner. And at the moment, most of the best women, they're already in the stable uh, partnership, so I can't bridge them up, <laughs> even though I want to play with them. So it has been quite difficult, actually. So we need to get some of the top players, men or women, to get in touch. and Yeah, they would be nice. Yeah, right, right. I mean, that just seems to be a bit of a shame if you've got really talented players who are looking for partners. There must be people out there. Hint, hint. (laughs) (laughs) Are things like goals and ambitions for the partnership or bidding styles and preferences about complicated system versus a more, I don't know, just set of principles to guide you? Are those things that are easily uncovered in the course of just a couple of conversations or a couple of times out to play? Or is it something that you could actually think you're on the same page and then you find out over the course of a longer period that you're actually not so aligned about style, about goals? I think that if they're really separate, that you, you're you going to, I know quite, Easily with it already because you ask players you already know. So you would know before you ask them. But if they're kind of similar, but not fully the same, it can be a bit difficult because it seems to be the same. But then after maybe even a few years, you find out that, well, maybe the one was actually a bit more interested than the other. I think everybody who plays bridge has had these issues to grapple with. So it's something very relatable. Mm. Given your profile and your success, has the National Bridge Federation made any efforts to connect you with various partners? Like, do they see this as part of their responsibility? Um, no, it's more our own responsibility to get a partner. Hmm, that's interesting, though, isn't it? Because I would have thought that's something that would be an obvious role for a national federation, especially with their top players. And especially with women players, really, because um, we're wanting to encourage women to play at the highest levels. They started talking about having like a mentorship. So that was more having one really good player for the partnership. Were they slotting you into the role of the better player or the mentee? Uh, No, I was supposed to get a mentor. So as a junior player, everyone would get a mentor. Right. Well, I thought maybe you could be the mentor of the of another (laughs) that's not maybe going to help you but maybe it would like if you invested in a really young player who had a lot of potential I don't know if that's something that would appeal to you well I really like teaching I've even written my own um, book so it's it's not published yet but it's a full beginner's book and I also teach quite a lot in the Norwegian Bridge Federation I do really like teaching and also 
would have liked being a mentor, but I'm not sure I have the time. Right, right. So what's the title of your bridge book? Uh, the title is Learn Bridge. Oh, that's great. Well, when it's published, you let us know and we'll put a notice about it on our Instagram. That sounds great. <laughs> okay, cool. Do you have a favorite tournament that you like to play? Obviously, I really like to play the international uh, championships, so the European and World Championships. But in Norway, I think my favorite tournament is the Moritz Veos International Bridge Tournament. The fun thing about it is a lot of great players are playing. It's got a lot of uh, nice prizes. Uh, so uh, several of the good players are coming to play that tournament and it's a great learning opportunity to play it. Fabulous. Does sound fabulous. How do you deal with the challenge of playing every day, all day at a long tournament and sustaining the focus and the attention and the mental sharpness? I think I'm quite good at relaxing when I'm not supposed to be focusing. For example, when I'm dummy, uh, I don't really focus on anything. Uh, I kind of completely space out. And then also after the tournament is finished, I don't really think about the boards. I try to forget about them. Sometimes I need to discuss a few of the boards to just get them out of my head. But then once that's done, I start doing other things. I would play a lot of card games. So like obviously not bridge, but more easy games. So just to not really think, just put cards, just have fun. Uh, we do this a lot in the region camp. When it's evening, I go to bed at the same time and I get up at the same time. Even if I'm not playing the morning match, I try to get up. And so I have the same rhythm. So the ritual and the routine is important to you? Yeah, just not losing the rhythm is really important. I kind of forget everything outside of bridge. So I don't read news, for example. Uh, I just stay in the bubble. And when the tournament is over, how do you like to relax and unwind i don't really have like one special thing i do i uh, usually we go home and i just go back to my regular life uh usually i take like i don't know a day or something uh to just kind of get back stay on the couch watch netflix or something like that don't have any typical thing to do can you describe the bridge camp that you've been to in the past uh well it's a junior camp so everyone's under 26 usually a bit younger because the older women don't go as much. And we play a lot of bridge. <laughs> the first time I was at the bridge camp, I was 10. And we pretty much played from 10 o'clock in the morning till lunch. We had maybe an hour break and then we played again until almost midnight. <laughs> and then afterwards we were playing just all the card games. Uh, it ended up with me uh, like third or fourth day. I had to call home to my parents saying that, well, I think I need to go to bed. I'm really tired, but we're not done yet. What should I do? <laughs> because I was five years younger than the second youngest one. So they had to call up the counselor and say that, well, she's really tired. Can she go to bed? <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What do you love about Bridge? It's a difficult question. I I always answer this question with, well, what do I not love? Um, but I think the most important part is the partnership that you have to cooperate with someone. It makes it quite unique from most other um, mind sports. Well, when you say, what don't you love about it? Give me the top three things you love about it. Uh, the partnership thing. So you have to cooperate with someone and then the fact that you never get the same board so you always need to find a different solution and the third thing is probably that you you never finish learning you can always learn something new like however good you are you can always learn something new if you could improve one aspect of your game what would that be well i think my biggest mistake is how i play a bit too fast sometimes so i want to change the way i play and make sure that i don't just play automatically put a calm but that I actually remember to think about it before I put it yeah I think a lot of people who will remain nameless struggle with that same (laughs) same issue (laughs) what would a regular partner of yours say is your greatest strength in the game I hope that they would say that I tend to stay positive don't yell at my partners. Maybe not if you ask my mom. <laughs> but I'm not sure if they would say it, but that's my hope. Uh, I always try to stay, well, maybe not necessarily like positive, but at least not yell. And why do you think that's important? Well, I think just being nice to each other is really important because you're never going to get better by having someone yell at you. Criticism is okay, but it needs to be constructive. You wouldn't learn anything if it's just people saying bad words and you're just going to get more stressed. So I think building your partnership and being friends is really important. And do you find that being positive is an important part also of teaching? Because I know that you enjoy teaching. So is it a key part of how you approach teaching? Yes, I definitely think so. Being positive and sharing that you love the game is really important. I also always try to put in a bit of humor and I can easily use myself as an example of how things can go bad. I always say that I like to bid. I bid a bit too much because usually 
new players are really afraid of bidding and they tend to just pass as quickly as they can. So I just say that, well, just bid. You probably can't bid more than me either way. Um, <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> it's funny. Is there anything in particular that makes you nervous when you're playing bridge? I get nervous, like if it's an important tournament, especially at the end, uh, I get nervous when I'm dummy and I can't do anything. I hate to just not be able to do anything. So when I was playing the European Championship in 2018, it went really well. I got two gold medals, but for the first one, especially in the last round, my partner, uh, he was a declarer in the first board. So I started getting a bit stressed, but then okay, sure, it's fine again. A new board, uh, I can call man. And then the opponents got into um, difficult bidding. I only had to pass, so I didn't really have to think anything. And then the stress started growing again. And they ended up bidding into slam. And I figured, well, if they make the slam, it's probably a bad board. If they go down, it's probably a good board. I knew that we were probably in the lead, but at least top two, top three. And I got extremely stressed uh, because I didn't have anything to do. So the entire defense was just my partner having to do the correct thing. I had all these small cards. And then I got really stressed because I need to focus. Uh, So I think I had uh, 121 beats per minute uh, at the time. And I was sitting completely still. So would you rather be in a position where you made a mistake or you were responsible for a hand not making, knowing that you were the declarer, than sitting there and not being able to do anything and watching partner play. Yeah, I would much rather want to be declare. Even if I end up doing the mistake, I think it's much worse sitting and watching my partner do something wrong that I know, well, I probably would have done this correct. Oh, so it's because you think that you would have done it correctly? Maybe not. I could have done it wrong, obviously. Uh, But uh, I have been in the situation where my partner made a choice uh, and he made a different choice than what I would have done. Uh, Maybe not the wrong choice. It might have been correct. But in this particular case, it would have been better to make the choice that I did or I would have made. It doesn't mean that his way was like any worse. I just didn't work this time. We lost a bit. But if if it had worked, would you have still felt as nervous? It, well, I feel really nervous when I watch him play or watch my partner play, so I don't know how it's going to end up. Uh, so, yeah, I would be just the nervous. Hmm. You also said that one of the ways you cope with a long tournament is that when you're dummy, you just veg out, you just space out. So I'm finding that, I don't mean to cross-examine you, but... I, how do the two things line how up? How do the two things line up, like... That was a key part of how you maintain your stamina throughout a long tournament that you specifically called out. But it also sounds like there's an area in that aspect of being the dummy that stresses you out the most. It's only in like the last round. So if I play in important tournaments and it's maybe the last three or four boards. So before I don't really care anything about what my partner does. So it's only like in the re- really end uh, when I know we have a good result that I start caring about what partner does. Before I don't, I have like no clue. I just end the board and I say, well, well done if they made the contract. And they're like, well, I missed three over tricks. Okay, I didn't see that. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> and is there a tool that you use when you're feeling stressed to keep it cool? Well, I try to remember to breathe. Uh, there's nothing else really <laughs> 
When you think about all the no doubt amazing places that you've been able to play, does any place stand out as particularly memorable or interesting? I have played a team match uh, in one of the tables being in a washing room and one of the tables being in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, it was my first uh, international championship. So it was a European championship in 2013 in Poland. Uh, we were staying at student accommodation. And in the evenings, we like to just meet up and play cards. And usually we played in the washing area. We had one table and usually we were around like 16 people around this table. I have absolutely no clue how we did it. Uh, it was really nice. I was much younger than everyone else. I was only 11, but uh, they really included me. So that was nice. And then we had a day extra. I don't know why, but we went home a day after everyone else. So the last day we figured, well, we'll play some bridge. But we only had the washing room uh, because there was no reception or anything to play in. So we figured, well, we'll close off one of the uh, bathroom areas because we had two areas. So we had one table in, I think it was the men's room, and then one <laughs> table in the uh, washing uh, area. And then we just used the other area to play bridge because we were the only ones there. So we knew that no one really had to use, well, no one was allowed to use the toilet, obviously, while we were playing. <laughs> Good thing. <laughs> What's the funniest thing that's ever happened when you were playing bridge? Uh, I had quite a funny um, story. We were playing in Slovakia in the European Championship and our screen was almost falling off because it was the first match, so no one actually checked it. Uh, so we were sending the tray uh, under the screen and it almost fell down. Uh, so we kind of panicked and we ended up having someone who was supposed to just watch having to hold uh, the screen up. Obviously, we couldn't have this for the entire match. So we were just told to stop playing and someone would hold it. And then halfway through the bidding, uh, they came and they just lifted up the screen and walked away with it. <laughs> so we got a new one. And I felt so extremely guilty because when the bidding is on your screen, your partner is not supposed to see the bids. So we're just like, oh no, oh no, she can see them. Uh, so I end up taking the convention card and in the slowest way possible, I don't know, it's not possible to do it slower. I end up laying in the convention guard over the bits. But seeing that I was so slow, my partner had seen it for like a few minutes already. Uh, but I just kind of panicked, like, oh no, you're not allowed to see this. No, no, no. What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> that was quite funny. Well, it must have been really confusing. Yeah. And it wasn't, it's not just on you. I mean, there's the four of you sitting there. What did the opponents do? Well, everyone was just sitting there, uh, afraid to do anything. I think everyone was just really confused and like, okay, what's going on now? I think we'll just sit here and in silence. <laughs> oh, gosh. And so, but they eventually replaced it. Yeah, they replaced it right away. So we played with the screen the entire time. Uh, it's yeah. just, we had a few minutes. Um, well, we didn't bid or anything. Oh, okay. Oh, that's what a bizarre experience. Yeah. Right. Because when you're playing with screens, you actually explain everything to, to your opponent. But if you're out in the open, you that's not how you do it. You have to have your partner alerting. And I mean, it's just everything changes. So, yeah, it's quite different playing with screens. So we just had to wait until we got a new screen, but it was quite quick. What is something that people might be surprised to know about you? 
Well, a lot of people are always surprised about my age. I started playing bridge when I was eight, and I started playing bridge internationally when I was 11. So the fact that I still have five years left as a junior is quite surprising to most people. Because you have so much experience already. Yeah. And you've written a bridge book, and you teach, and you work for the foundation also, right? Yeah, I do. I work uh, next to my studies as a, a teacher, so with recruitment and teaching. That's amazing. Very accomplished. Yeah, I'm also a tournament director, <laughs> a bit, at least. <laughs> wow. A fully rounded bridge person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you like being a tournament director? Do you ever feel like, oh, I wish I were playing or? Well, I do want to play instead, uh, but we have like the Premier League in Norway, uh, which I'm not qualified for. Uh, so then I thought it was really nice to be there as a tournament director. I'm quite strict. Uh, much more strict than everyone else. <laughs> I'm the only uh, woman and also much younger than everyone else. And once I started being a tournament director, we started giving out much more penalties. Because in Norway, we don't really give out like, anything. Uh, you have to be way too late to get a penalty. And I think, well, if we want people to be on time, we need to give them penalty. <laughs> but they don't get it before you pass five minutes. Like, once you pass five minutes, I'm there to give you a penalty. So I think the worst uh, or strictest I was was that when someone was five minutes and five seconds too late, I gave them a penalty. <laughs> I was waiting at the table for him to come. <laughs> do you think you're a strict director because you're a strict director? Or do you feel aware of the fact that you're younger than the other directors? Is there something else that bears on the way that you approach the role? Well, I think maybe like me being a player actually uh, is part of it because it's annoying that sometimes someone gets a penalty, others times someone don't. So I think it's important to be uh, behaving the same way towards everyone. Uh, and then I think it's much better to just be strict because if you're strict, no one can't really complain. Uh, if you decide to really loosen it up a bit, then you forget, okay, how much is it? So just Follow the rules and be strict. So I think that's actually the fact that I'm a player is what determines what kind of tournament director I am. And just to clarify, clearly many of the other directors are not necessarily players. They play bridge. They know bridge, obviously, but they don't play it at the same level as I do. Is there a hot button issue in bridge that's important to you these days? There definitely is. Um, I'm really into working for girls bridge or so bridge for women under 26. A lot of people confuse this with the same thing as women's bridge, uh, which is not the same. I wouldn't say I'm against women's bridge, but I don't really care as much for women's bridge. But I feel like as long as we have a women category, uh, we need to have the under 26 women uh, because it's so important for recruitment. Uh, I know that I would not be the same place as I am now if it hadn't been for the under 26 women category. Uh, I got the possibility to start playing really early and I got a captain and I got a full system and someone I could ask questions. Uh, so I think that was really important for me. And I think it's a shame that not more countries send uh, teams to the under 26 categories. Oh, sorry, the under 26 women category. Uh, because it's difficult for girls because a lot of the guys are much more loud and you can 
notice them much more. And so most of the girls are quiet and maybe they're good players, but they don't really tell everyone how good they are, which is more typical for young boys. So they don't get the chance to play on the open uh, open teams. So we need another category so they can also get the chance. And then a lot of people are saying, well, the women category is ruining for the open, uh, which I don't think is true because uh, it's easier now for women to get into the national team and into just the way of thinking, being a not professional bridge player, but a better bridge player. So I actually... Uh, I had a campaign about this, so I got a lot of facts and found out that the last year before um, they started with the women in the 26, there were much less women in the Open in the 26 than it was in 2019, which was the last time I checked. So uh, for Norway, we had the first girls on the Open in the 26 team in 2019, and that was two girls who started playing in the girls' team. So I think a lot of people don't really know how uh, the positive effects are of the um, under-26 human team. They just think, well, we don't want to separate. Uh, this is bad. Uh, let's cut it. So that's actually something I really work for. It sounds like what you're saying is that the training opportunities tend to be offered more to people who assert themselves in a particular way and that maybe that's traditionally been the way that men express themselves and that women have perhaps not put themselves forward in the same way. That really what you're interested in is making sure that everybody has opportunities to train and be mentored and develop. What would you say to that? Yeah, I think that's definitely a big part of it. It's difficult to find the best people because the captains and the ones picking the teams are just human, so they can't really always pick the best team. And I don't blame them because it's difficult. But the fact that we also we have a team extra by having a girls team uh, is also good because more people get the opportunity. So if you cut the women and the 26 category, I don't think you would necessarily get another category, and especially not for the older ones. So it's typical that they... And maybe like they added it on the 16 category and that's that started after I started. Uh, but if they cut the under 26 women and end up adding it under 13, that's not going to help the girls, for example, being 20 years old. So one of my former partners and our teammates said that she would have stopped playing bridge if it hadn't been for the fact that she was picked up for the national team. Uh, she was just playing with the father was not really a great bridge player. He was more of a hobby player. But now she keeps playing because she gets the opportunity to play with much better players and have fun on trips. So to find a way to broaden the inclusivity of people who are eligible to be in these training situations and to have their game fostered and developed. That's important, yeah. Mm. Do you think there's a real possibility that the under 26 women is going to be phased out? Yeah, I definitely think so. I don't know where the rumor started, but uh, the reason I got really interested in this subject was because in 2019, I heard that the European Bridge Federation started talking about cutting it out. Uh, Apparently it wasn't true. So I was told afterwards that it's definitely a lot of people who are against it uh, because they're saying that 
what if we have a girls category girls are not going to play on an open team which is a danger uh it's important that the best teams are picked first and that if a girl is going to qualify for both an under 21 and an under 26 girls team or an under 26 open that they get to choose the one they want to be on yeah i am afraid they are going to cut the uh, under 26 women category yeah I just wonder if it's pointing to a problem about bridge selection and bridge development rather than about gender and that obviously the concern is that you're wanting to have as many people who are eligible and in a position to have their game developed to have their game developed. And the way that the structure is set up at the moment, it seems to be this male-female divide and then becomes this issue about girls, not girls, women's competition or open competition. I just think that maybe we need to rethink the structure of it more broadly so that it's no longer around these issues specifically because they're quite polarizing and I don't know that it's necessarily the point. The point is that we just want top players to be able to develop their games, right? Yeah, I think if we found a better way to pick the national teams and also the players who are close to being on the national team but not necessarily qualifying, uh, that would help. But at the moment, I don't think we have a solution for it. So then keeping the girls category would be the best option. I definitely do not think that there are any difference between uh, a girl bridge player and a boy bridge player. Uh, They are exactly the same, or they have the same mental opportunities. Uh, They're not worse players just because they're girls. Uh, That's absolutely not my opinion. But it's just uh, we need to find better ways to include both boys and girls. What's something about bridge or about your game that you know now that you wish you'd known earlier in your bridge career? I think the fact that you shouldn't give up or you will improve. Uh, So don't be too impatient. Uh, It's going to take time. But if you work constantly or stable and you keep on working, it's going to get better. Do you have a favorite convention that you really love? I think my favorite convention probably is transfer after one club. Uh, it's something I've played with almost since the beginning. A couple of weeks ago, I tried playing a tournament without it, uh, with a top player. Uh, and I ended up just messing it up. Uh, just playing a natural system is not that easy for me anymore after one club because I'm so used to playing with club transfer. So I think that's probably... My favorite convention in that I can't really play without it. Besides the fact that you can't play without it, is there anything in, in particular that, that you like about it? I think it's much easier to find a 5-3 fit when they use transfer. So that's my favorite thing about it. Is there a convention that you particularly dislike? No, I don't really have anything that I dislike. When a partner says, let's play, blah, blah, do you ever go, oh, no. It's not that I, I like really dislike it, but if someone says that it, they want to use four card diamonds and two cards clubs, I'm more like, mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I, I do prefer playing three three in both minus. But uh, it's not like an extreme dislike. But uh, it's probably the thing I because it's quite common. Uh, so the thing I think most about not liking. <laughs> Why don't you like it? I don't really know. It's maybe it's kind of just been that way so I haven't changed uh, but it's probably also because I think it's difficult to find a club fit 
you just give up on clubs completely. What is the best bridge advice or tip that you've ever been given? I think the fact that you shouldn't give up, even if you make a mistake, because most sports can still be made or defeated if you're opponent, even obviously you've made a mistake. But if you get really annoyed or give up and you make another one in the same board, it's probably lost. So a board can be made after one mistake, but not after two most of the times. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great talking to you. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And that's the show. Many thanks to our guest, Sophie Sherdahl. Thank you also to our Sorry Partner posse of listener supporters who make the show possible. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris with production assistance from Jade Gray and David Turner. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram or send us a voice message. And please consider supporting the show. You'll get a monthly newsletter, bonus audio from time to time, and other supporter perks. These links and a link to our discount offers and merch store are under the episode description in your app, on the website at sorrypartner.com, or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice, or we'll call the director. Until next time, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Sophie says, don't give up. Often a board can still be made after one mistake, but not usually after two. So stay focused. Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.